Gallup has done polls going back to 63, and there has never been a moment since 1963 when less than 50% of the American public did not believe in a Kennedy assassination conspiracy. The assassination of President John F. Kennedy started more conspiracy theories than most historical events. And part of it has to do with the way things played out after he died. The thing about both Ruby and Oswald that makes them fascinating and confounding is that they were both nuts. They were extremely crazy. But there's evidence also for them being like, you know, lonely, pathetic, uh, impulsive people. Soon, people started to think that Jack Ruby had ties with the mob or that Lee Harvey Oswald was connected to the CIA, which none of that has been proven, but they stroked theories about the president's death. Kennedy kind of created a blueprint for conspiracy theories that would follow. It's still, I would say, the, and I'm not the only one to use this, it's become a cliche, it's still the gateway drug to a lot of other conspiracy theories. I'm Bree Flores, and this month on Texas Wants to Know, we are honoring the 60th anniversary of an event that has impacted Dallas for decades. This week, we explore conspiracy theories, and not just how they form, but why the Kennedy assassination sparks so many of them. I spoke with Michel Gagnet, a professor of humanities at the Chaplin College of San Lambert, Quebec. He also runs a podcast on conspiracism and wrote a book about the Kennedy assassination and how conspiracy theories surrounding JFK's death were popular in the 1990s. So the JFK story happened to be the one that was the most seductive in the 90s. It was, it was tailor-made for a post-Cold War audience that knew enough about American history to know that there were some very dark elements. So when you're aware of all this kind of darker side of American history during the Cold War, you start asking yourself, well, what else are they lying to me about? And do you think that's why people don't want to fully believe the official record of his death? Kennedy was many things to many people, but he was a little bit like American royalty. He had this kind of cachet, this mystique that made people see more than what was actually there in the package. A president born in the 20th century, someone who was open to civil rights, who was very much anti-communist, but also wanted to improve education and, uh, you know, uh, space exploration. You know, he, he wanted people to buy into this brand, this Kennedy brand. And the motorcade was one of the ways of doing that. John F. Kennedy's motorcade on November 22nd, 1963, consisted of 25 vehicles. He and other lawmakers' route took them through downtown Dallas on the way to a scheduled speech at Dallas Market Center. But once it turned to bloody mayhem, and, you know, you don't want to blame a victim, mm -hmm. but it's all part of the narrative about why Kennedy got killed. But it's not the story people want to hear. What a deeply frightening and unsatisfying explanation that is, that someone like John F. Kennedy, this figure we've been talking about, who had this incredible impact on the world, could be taken out by a 24-year-old disgruntled Marine sharpshooter in the midst of a disintegrating marriage and a confused political ideology. Stephen Fagan is a curator at the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas. That 24-year-old Marine he referenced is Lee Harvey Oswald. It's easier to accept that he died for something, that it was part of a, a massive plot uh, intended to stop him before he achieved, you know, peace and, and, and goodwill in this country. They want to hear about a military-industrial complex or an evil spy agency or organized crime because that's what... That's what sells tickets at the movie theaters. Yeah. And when history looks like a movie, 
we're more likely to buy into it. The, the dreadful movie JFK, Oliver Stone's JFK, I believe that came out in, was it 93? I can't remember exactly, but I think a lot of, a lot of today's younger people haven't even seen that. And of course, that movie was guilty of uh, spreading a lot of baseless conspiracy theories. It was, a, and the reason it succeeded so well in doing that is because it's a, cinematically, it's an extraordinary, extraordinarily well-made movie. Michael Granberry is a reporter at the Dallas Morning News. Gagne and Granberry appreciate the artwork of Oliver Stone's film, JFK. While it's historically inaccurate, it won a lot of Academy Awards for best editing, cinematography, and other accomplishments. Some of these historical errors include personality changes in witnesses, what witnesses actually said in court, and what witnesses' backgrounds were actually in real life. Gagne even uses this film in his critical thinking class as an example to show how conspiracy theories are a result of a psychological and sociological forces. But as a historian myself, I say that's when you, the red flags need to come up because mm -hmm. history is not like a movie. It has a lot more characters, a lot more chaos. There's complex no beginning thinking. and end. It's more yeah. complex. Yeah. Michelle, before we go further into the development of the JFK conspiracy theories, what are conspiracy theories and how did they emerge? So a conspiracy is always likely to be an, um, an explanation for an event, but it shouldn't be the first one we jump to because that means that we're, we're choosing to believe something that by nature is almost impossible to prove, right? How do you know that there's a secret going on? Either it's not a secret or you're part of the secret yourself. Mm -hmm. So most conspiracy theorists would say they're not in the loop of the secret. And so they go around connecting suspicious factoids and then building a story out of that instead of looking for the simpler explanation. So conspiracy theories are, I think they've always been around. We didn't always call them that. But I would say all human beings have a certain innate paranoia that make them believe that someone out there may be plotting against them secretly. I mean, we see humans doing that all the time, right? Assassinations and wars. Uh, World War I was started by a conspiracy, right? The, the assassination of Ar Archduke Ferdinand. So we always had conspiracy theories, but JFK's assassination seemed to gain more traction. Is there any specific reasoning for that? Conspiracy thinking has been around for a long time, uh, maybe forever. But I think most humans tend to fear the outsider. What the Kennedy assassination kind of did it focused people particularly on the fear of incumbent conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories that happened within the halls of power. When this young Marxist man takes his rifle to work and shoots Kennedy, Lee Harvey Oswald, it's a story to the, that doesn't compute with most Americans and many people around the world because that's not the story that they had been paying attention to. Most people thought someone from the right wing might do something to Kennedy. What are some of the primary conspiracy theories surrounding the assassination? There are, there are many. In fact, I, I kind of addressed quite a few of them uh, in the first third of my book. Uh, essentially, the first, the first big conspiracy theory was, did the Russians do this? And in fact, President Johnson believed that Lee Harvey Oswald may have been working on behalf of the Soviets or Cubans or both. Another famous conspiracy is the Grassy Knoll theory. It states that there was a second shooter involved in killing Kennedy. 
the Warren Commission report itself is 888 pages. It's based on initially 26 volumes of interviews and evidence. And then, of course, in the years since, there's been millions of pieces of more data that's been released. Danny Fingeroff is the author of a new book called Jack Ruby, The Many Faces of Oswald's Assassin. It goes into depth about Ruby and how Dallas responded to the events leading up to, during, and after the assassination. Even the Warren Commission investigated the shooting but found no evidence of a second shooter, as some people may claim. Still, many people believe that Oswald did not act alone. Then there is Jack Ruby and the theories surrounding him. So if there was a magic shot, it's the one that Jack Ruby shot because it actually managed to kill to kill Oswald in a way that many people may have survived uh, that kind of a gun wound. Jack Ruby, who killed Oswald, is the godfather of the modern conspiracy movement because had Lee Harvey Oswald been put before a jury and tried, I, I don't think there would have been any conspiracy talk. So Oswald is declared there within two hours. And that's where all the conspiracy theories kind of begin. If Jack Ruby, who's connected to the Dallas police and organized crime, is, quote unquote, silencing the assassin, that that means that there's an entire group of people who don't want Oswald to talk. He was probably in the mob. You know, they don't hand out a membership card, but it seemed like he was part of the mob uh, movement from Chicago into Dallas. He'd been a violent, kind of uh, crazy, for lack of a better word, guy, um, sort of lacking in direction, had a history of violence, and was useful enough, let's say, uh, to the mob to be sent to Dallas. All of this is speculative, but that's what gives rise to the whole belief that organized crime, the Dallas police, the CIA, the FBI, etc., etc., are all somehow involved in killing Kennedy. There seem to be a unspoken set of rules for rich, the rich and powerful in Dallas. So Ruby was part of that structure. It becomes the mother of all conspiracy theories. And it becomes this incredibly tangled ball of yarn because there's been so much written about it. So did these theories start right away when the assassination happened, or did they all develop over time? This conspiracy theory evolved from more or less day one. The Kennedy conspiracy theory is they kind of set the precedent, the special spice, if you wish, that allows a lot of other conspiracy theories to be legitimized. If Kennedy was killed by the CIA, then what else would the CIA do? And then they can list a whole bunch of other things. You can draw a direct line back to Dealey Plaza in 1963 as kind of the granddaddy of all conspiracy theories. It's interesting in, in broad terms how, how this has evolved over the years. You know, we were at the height of the Cold War, so initially, you know, the, the public perception was maybe this was a plot by Cuba or the Soviet Union. As we move into the 70s, and we have the era of Watergate and congressional investigations exposing abuses by our intelligence community, suddenly there's this growing mistrust of the government, uh, this belief suddenly that the government lie, lied to us, the government you know, plotted to kill Fidel Castro and even used elements of organized crime to try to make that happen. So suddenly you know, it becomes very plausible that there might be a lot more to the story of the Kennedy assassination than people thought even 10 years earlier. You know, sometimes the story is not the one we want to hear, 
but we have to accept that it's the only story that is true. And that's how it avoids us from stepping through the mirror into a, a fantasy of our own making. The next two episodes of Texas Wants to Know will also focus on the Kennedy assassination. Next week, we'll be joined by CBS News legend Bob Schieffer, who covered the shooting for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And finally, we'll explore how the city of Dallas responded to the event. I'm Bree Flores on News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thanks for joining me for Texas Wants to Know. If you like the show, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I wrote, produced, and edited this episode with editorial support from Cooper Mall and Chris Blake. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Odyssey's managing producer for National News Podcasts is Myron Kaplan.